Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Absolute Game of Nerds with your non-geek, non-nerd hosts, JP and Rohan. And with us today, we have a special guest, our second interview, probably our best interview ever. And we're going to let Rohan introduce our guest for today. Uh, yeah, guys, we've got another great, great uh, guest joining us today. We have Lawrence from Mighty Comics and Collectibles. Uh, Lawrence has been kind of my favorite uh, YouTube guy to watch to kind of gain knowledge in the hobby. Uh, and his biggest influence on me, I would say, is he really kind of changed my mind as when I first started collecting, which again is less than a year ago. I was like, oh, I can't afford these big blue chip keys. I can just focus on these like $10 and $20 comics. And it was watching his feed where he's just like, I wouldn't waste my money there. Just save your money, put it towards the next uh, big thing. And that kind of really changed my mind over time. Uh, and so I really had come to appreciate him. He's been a good resource for me as well. He's also how we got connected to Errol, who we interviewed two episodes ago. Um, so everyone say hello to Lawrence. Lawrence, how's it going? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you for that amazing intro. That was, that was very appreciative. So I thank you so much guys. Thank you. I can't say enough. Uh, yeah, you know, actually on that, uh, there's a kind of a funny coincidence, uh, story involving you today. Um, so our second episode, JP and I both did it. We called it the hunt for 181, which both of us, you know, renewed it back into collecting. And so one of the goals we have immediately is to get a Hulk 181. And so kind of, we talked about our strategies for how to acquire this. Anyway, and then we had this episode with Errol who has worked his 20 plus years to get Superman one. And, you know, he talked about buying books that are liquid and things like that, which kind of goes hand in hand with what you say, like buy you know, these books that are always, you know, the blue chips and, and, and whatnot. Anyway, so JP hits me up today. He's like, I'm looking at this auction page and it's got a lot of 30 comics. Uh, one of them is Hulk 180 uh, and it's 500 something dollars right now. What do you think? Do you think this is a good deal? He's like, I'm very tempted. And we kept going back and forth. And, uh, I, and I was like, you know, it's kind of funny that this is today because we're interviewing Lawrence today. And his like most popular saying is friends don't let friends overpay for second appearances. I said, it's kind of happens like, Friends don't let friends overpay for first cameos. <laughs> no, definitely, definitely. I mean, I, I still love that book, Hulk 180. I still think it's a good book, but it's all about the price you get it for. That That's my biggest thing. If you get it for a steal, I feel it's worth it, in my opinion. If you have to pay close to value for it, may, now may not be the greatest time. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was like we were looking like it was a raw copy that we guessed maybe in the 4 5 range, and it was like, fairly comparable to what you can buy a graded copy at that grade yeah. on eBay right now. And it's like, again, both of us don't have a ton of disposable income to use towards books. And so it's like, if we're focused on 181, it's just another distraction away from it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think 181 is definitely the better, better buy what I call the money book when, when we're talking about a book. So unless you, and like I said, I'm only buying keys right now that I think I can get a really good deal on, uh, but I'm focused on a couple of other books as well. Yeah. Yeah, and we will uh, we'll definitely, definitely get into all of that. Uh, so to start, though, I always like to, to just kind of get a brief uh, kind of, you know, bio, I guess we can say for you, just kind of like who you are, where you are, what you do, that kind of thing. So why don't you tell everybody where you're at in, in like you're in New Jersey, right? Yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Lawrence. I own Mighty Comics and Collectibles. It's a YouTube channel that I started about three years ago, I live in Northern New Jersey, um, from right outside New York city, maybe about 15, 20 minutes. I've been here all my life outside of a, a short stint in Philadelphia where I went to college. Right on. where did you go to school? A uh, small school called the university of sciences. Oh, okay. Uh, and then you own mighty comics collectibles. Is that, 
I remember we talked about this a long time ago. That, is that you have a regular full time job as well, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, I can't. I, I get paid nothing from YouTube. So yeah, I do this for fun. So yeah, I, I have a regular career. I'm in I'm in healthcare. So, uh, right on, right on. Um, all right. Well, JP, you got any questions before we start with for Lawrence? No, I just uh, you answered that with how long you've been doing the YouTube channel because I I noticed how many um, views you get about four thousand I think with the last couple so that was pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, it depends on that. Like there there are times that I upload stuff that I get nothing. I really think like my greatest I shouldn't say greatest but the the one that gets the most views is the hot ten breakdown of the week by far gets the most views. Uh, you know I'll try to like break streams sometime. I just put out a um, a Superman um, statue that I bought. I did a review on mm -hmm. that. It it's got like a hundred views because I guess nobody wanted to to watch that type of video from me. They all want to hear about the comics, but that's fine. We you know we talk everything on my channel. So do you find that that's comparable to other statue videos you have, or is that just this one? You know I it's comparable to other ones I've that I've done. But if you walk if you watch like Jem Mint, his yeah his, his statue reviews get like thousands and thousands of views. I'm like I didn't want to just just do comics even though that is my bread and butter here i do collect other things so i want it's all collectible stuff so it's mighty comics and collectibles so we, we try to do a little bit of everything and we're expanding as as we grow right on uh and we'll get into a little bit of that as well coming up but like why don't we start with um kind of your origin story like uh i guess we'll call it your origin story like how did you start collecting you were i think i remember i mean you obviously probably started as a kid and then you took a couple breaks and got back in it once or twice like give us a little yeah. rundown there I think that a lot of people that are my age, you know, I'm, I'm mid forties. So, I mean, I collected comics when I was a kid and, and on my podcast, I know you had watched it um, last week. I said that my first introduction to comics or comic heroes was Superman, the movie with Christopher Reeve. So I really got into comics after watching that movie. And, you know, at that time when that movie came out, I was two years old. So I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't see it then. Obviously, I saw it a few years later. And then, of course, I got into, you know, every time I go somewhere where they had comics, I'd go look. I'd try to buy something. But my father owned a pharmacy when I was a kid. So he would always have comics that would come in every week or whatever. So I always have to go. If I go with him to work, I'd go and pick them out and figure out what I want and go through and read or buy whatever I wanted. Now, he didn't have anything spectacular. It was like the mid-80s, late-80s, early-90s. But that's how I got into it. And then of course I started collecting and then, you know, like everybody, as you get older, you know, your, your interests vary as, as a young adult. So I came back to it. I took a long break. I didn't get back into collecting comics till I graduated college. And we're talking about early 2000s, 2000, I graduated college. So here at 2001, um, I think right along when we started to get the introduction, not the introduction to MCU, but, you know, that was a little like that was 2008 or whatever it was. But right in that time, I started collecting again. And then again, same thing. I, I would hit up the, these massive shows by I'd, I'd have it. I'd have a ton of books that I had I had an AF 15. I bought for four thousand dollars. That was a two point five. I have a Tales of Suspense that I think I paid like five hundred dollars for thirty nine. I had all these books, but then I got like I got bored with it. I started doing other things. So I, I got rid of them all for basically what I paid them for. So and then in. When the MCU started to hit, of course, I started getting back into it. I didn't really start collecting maybe till about four to five years ago. And I think that was a sweet spot. I really think it was because everything was churning in the MCU. They were starting to put out some of their better movies. Um, I would pick up smaller keys here and there when I went to shows and I went every month. Um, I just got in at the right time when I started recollecting again. And, and it led me to where I am now. Yeah, I was and JP and I have talked about this like in our some of our earlier episodes. I really start to wonder what it was 
about the MCU because you know before the MCU started like there was a couple X-Men movies and a couple like Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies and it's like that didn't jumpstart anyone like I didn't think but once when I watched those movies to start collecting again and and like I still say I was like both X-Men 2 I, mean, I think both X-Men 1 and X-Men 2 are great I think the first two uh, Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans are great and I think both X2 and Spider-Man 2 are still some of the better comic book movies there is but I don't it's, it's interesting that that didn't really do anything for the hobby you know, you know what I think it is, and my my point on this is, I think they need to take from the source material. That's my biggest pet peeve with all these movies is that if you don't take enough from the source material and you start to change things, you start to lose the the big time comic collector because they they start to become dis, disinterested. They want to go back and see the stuff that they remember seeing, they remember reading in the films, and I think the MCU has really done that. They've changed some things here and there. Don't get me wrong, but they've stuck to a lot of the source material, and that's why I think they've had success. Yeah, I remember um, you've done a couple where you read some of those old classics and you read a Tales of Suspense 39 on one of your videos and I watched it. And I had never read that one. I obviously kind of knew a general idea of what happened in that issue. And I remember thinking like, man, that is like spot on to what Iron Man 1 is. Obviously, instead of, uh, I think Tales of Suspense 39 was in Vietnam. This was in obviously in the Middle East kind of being yeah. more um, current with what you know the world was at the time. Well, that one thing with... Um... You know, I, I watched all the movies. I had I had gotten out of collecting in the one in the nineties, late nineties when I went to college, just as you're you and I are probably the same age. And I didn't get back into it until like about a year ago. But I watched all the movies, starting with, you know, Tobey Maguire, Spider Man in two thousand one. But the Iron Man the first Avengers movie, I said, Why did they pick Loki? That was just such a low-end character then i see avengers one because i never really paid attention to who the villain was on avengers one on the cover and he's loki here there's loki and i'm like geez that's spot on and that's perfect you know so 100 percent. i i mean it was really they did a really great job i mean they kept you wanting to come back to, to this day my favorite mcu's movie is iron man the first iron man yep. i i thought it was perfect uh, that was perfect end game was by my favorite by far for many other reasons, but Iron Man was just perfect character, uh, perfect actor for the character, perfect portrayal. Just overall, I mean, they they, yeah. they hit a home run with that one. And I think for sure, just like the the, the Robert Downey Jr. I mean, like I, I don't think you could have picked anyone better to hit that off with right out the gate. And I mean, just just awesome, right? And I'll put that like Iron Man one, the first Avengers. I also think it's just so like everything you wanted when you got, when they built up to the Avengers one and then you watch Avengers one, you were like, Oh my yes. God, that is everything I want in a movie about these characters. And, you know, and then obviously where they and they, and, and they kept getting better. Cause you go watch Avengers one and it was really good. I think Avengers two was okay. Um, but you talk about infinity war. I think I would put that second best in my opinion. I thought the movie was phenomenal. That left you on a cliffhanger. And then mm -hmm. Endgame, of course was just as great. So, I mean, it, they, they built it. They took their time and they built it the right way. And, and I hope they do that with the next phase. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like post of the original interviews, like I think Captain America Winter Soldier was excellent. Yeah. Captain America Civil War. Like, yeah, I agree. Like it just really took off from there. And um, it kind of hit a little lull here in phase four. Oh, yeah. yeah that that hopefully picks up. But again, like you had mentioned earlier, when you were collecting in 2000, early 2000s, they didn't really move the books that I remember. You know, no. and that um, Spider-Man movie did, was huge. It did. It did, and I think a lot had to do with September 11th because they filmed a lot of scenes. It was all in New York, so I yeah. think that really moved that move. Plus, it was a good movie, um, but it really didn't. I don't remember it moving. You know, comics. Yeah, and I, I always remember this because one of my favorite shows at that time was Entourage, 
Uh, oh, they, that's they, my favorite show of all time. <laughs> oh, dude, I love it. It's so good. I actually, just as a quick aside, I don't have anything to watch right now. I just feel like there's not anything good. So I've been re-watching Smontrash. Man, I love that show. But anyways, Aquaman. you remember when Aquaman opened up, Turtle talked about like, oh, we got to beat Spidey too. It's the biggest opening of all time. So it's like, those movies were definitely huge. Yep. Yeah. Oh, you're bringing back memories now. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. They eventually did an Aquaman movie because I never thought they'd do that because he was a, uh, he was a cheesy character, at least in yeah. the, you know, the nineties and, and early two thousands. And Momo did a good, good job of it. Again, it won't go anywhere. I thought, I actually thought that to me, that was one of their better DC, like the, the, the DC EU movies. I thought that one wasn't bad. Like I thought it was entertaining. So. Yeah. It was unfortunately the next one that comes out at the end of the year, won't have any, anything to go, anything to propel into the new James Gunn universe. Yeah. So, but, uh, um, anyways, I mean, obviously we could talk for hours probably on movies, <laughs> I know. Uh, but, uh, obviously we're, we're the comic books here. So, uh, Lawrence, why don't we get back to that and let's talk about, um, tell us about kind of the books you're interested in. Has there been like an evolution? Have you always been into the big blue chips? Like kind of tell us kind of what, what it is that is your game right now. So, like I said before, like I got like, my last time getting back in was about five years ago. And I thought it was really the perfect time. It turned out to be the perfect time because you were still getting bigger keys for good deals. Like I would be buying, I go to these local shows and they have local shows by me once a month, um, all at different venues, but it's run by the same guy, not just there, but I go to bigger shows too. And you can get like, I remember I got an Iron Man one signed by Gene Colan, which I have never see anything signed by Gene Colan for 300 bucks. Oh. Like th those are the deals I was getting. I would find minor keys, like first Spider Woman, Marvel Spotlight Thirty Two, for like sixty dollars in high grade, stuff like that. I was buying smaller keys, smaller keys. But then I'd go and say, all right, you know, once everything started kicking off, it was like, all right, you know, some of these books are starting to head up quicker. Why don't I try to get something else? And I and I at that point in my life, I had some disposable income that I wanted to put towards major books. I always wanted another AF fifteen, so I went out and bought that. Um, and I've just kind of started adding, you know, I, I would sell off certain books that I bought for a good deal that I didn't really felt I need in the collection and then just try to build bigger books to a point where I was felt comfortable and, you know, paying big money for bigger keys because I knew 30 to 40, 20 years, whatever it is down the line that those books would be worth something, especially where the MCU was going. So I felt comfortable in that. So I made a lot of coin. I, I bought a Fantastic Four five first Doctor Doom. I, it was a raw copy. Um, I, had, I ended up having it graded. I paid twenty two hundred dollars for it now, and it came back a two zero. I mean, what's a two zero go for now? Probably around six thousand. So yeah. I mean, it just it was timing. But my first love, and it will always be my first love, is Amazing Spider Man. Silver Age Amazing Spider Man is what I remember from my childhood. I remember going in and to an, an LCS. I called it an LCS, but it was it was a comic shop in a small mall in my area, and it's no longer around. But my dad took me there one time for the first time I saw on the wall an, an Amazing Spider-Man number one. And I had no idea. I had to be nine nine years old when I saw this. I, I didn't know it was the first Spider-Man. I didn't know like how important that book was. I just remember seeing it. I don't remember what the price was, but I remember seeing it. I'm like, wow, that's an amazing, that's an amazing book. And and not thinking about it. I remember going there and buying Spider-Man one by McFarlane, all yeah. the different different covers, but when I go there and then see that book, I didn't know what it meant then, but now I know what it is now. And that's kind of like what I remembered in my mind when I was picking up these books. We can have JP. He has his 1992 wizard. We can bust out and see what the ASM one was in 1992. We looked up at our Hulk 181 episode. We looked up the Hulk 181 and it was $270. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the first comic I ever 
I remember getting was Spider-Man, I think it was 269 at the 7-Eleven. And I stayed at my grandmother's house and she'd give me a couple bucks to walk down to 7-Eleven. And I still have that comic today. I showed it on our first podcast because, and that's what got me into it was, was Spider-Man. So yeah. uh, I, I mean, feel you I, on that one. I think it, I mean, I, I, what was it? 60 cents back then? I, I don't know. 269. Yeah. Was it, S- about, yeah. 60 cents, 65 cents. I don't know. Maybe it was more. Yeah. 60 cents. Cause I'm looking at 252. Yeah. So, so Lawrence, I know you, one of your, uh, collecting goals is the ASM one to 300 run. Mm-hmm. Are any of those issues that you have in that run from your childhood? Or are they all brand new since getting back in? I would say a good two thirds are from my childhood that I had. Oh, that's rad. But most of them are, you know, their issues, probably 200 on 200 to 300. I had a lot of them. Um, but the early ones, obviously from one to a hundred, no, I, I didn't have any of them. 100 to 200 ahead sparingly but not much right on uh and jp i don't know how many videos of his you've watched but uh lawrence will make you jealous of his collection man the guy's got some good stuff there well they were you guys were talking a lot you had arrow <clears throat> excuse me arrow on recently right and you guys were talking about kind of consolidating the collection and where you were kind of moving your your collection to and and uh you just have just those graded books behind you and then about what Two walls of uh, or one, one I wall have, on the, of the raws, right? I have one. What's that? It's like two shelves of of raw books, like of big raw books. Like most of my one through fifty Silver Age Amazing Spider Man's up there, and then I have some, maybe about fifteen other keys, all raw, and all my slabs are what you see behind me. Now you only see two rows, but there's actually five rows of those. But that's it. That's all I have. And then I have three short boxes. Two short boxes are full ASM, just the run one to. 400 what it is right now I'm, I'm working on 300 but i have 300 plus and then i have a short box of stuff that's you know i could sell at any minute yeah it's that's rowan and i were talking about just consolidating of <clears throat> trying to get the um the bigger keys and getting rid of some of the i don't want to call them it's like you have that short box of stuff that you can sell anytime yeah right? it's all I mean, it's, that's all what your end goal is what's your end goal if your end goal is to have the big stuff great the first rule I, I tell everybody is you have to collect what you like. If you're not in love with something, why keep it? Right. Yeah. And it, I got the, fr- from the podcast that I watched of yours, I, I got the feeling, you know, I'm, I'm a CNBC watcher every day. I'm in the, I, I, you know, I'm a stock market guy. And so I watch it and I get that feeling on your podcast that like, you know, this is the one to buy, stay away from this one. It sounds like lunchtime, you know, power lunch, you know, and uh, the, the, the evening show with uh, Kramer. So I, I do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it's got to be really cut and dry about this stuff. You can't yeah. be wishy-washy. I, I try, man. And by the way, I am a huge stock market guy as well. I do the same thing that you do. So I have yeah, a little thing by by my work computer of my charts and stuff. So I feel you there. Yeah, it's a, it's a daily thing. That's why I kind of t- take that approach with, this, with the comics. And that's something you had said was that the comics you bought five years ago, you felt were guaranteed, not guaranteed, but going to be in 30 years, going to gonna increase in value. No, no questions asked. Some of the stuff I thought in, in five years, where, where I thought the MCU was going with certain books. I'm like, wow, this, this book could really blow up like that. More of a spotlight 32, the first spider woman, they haven't done anything. I know Sony with the rights of the character, but $60 on a raw, like nine plus book. I, I don't know. It's probably like a couple hundred bucks now. And it's not a lot, but just, that was my mindset back then. Like, wow, this is a nice key. Could I see this character be showing up? And it's still pretty cheap. So more along the lines of speculation, not, I know Errol said he doesn't like, doesn't like speculation or the hot, hot books of the week and whatnot. But I mean, that's kind of what you have to do with, with the movies. 
given though when we grew up, none of those movies moved books, but now they do. So going five years now where we are, do you still feel that these books will move up in value in 30 years in the same trajectory you thought five years ago? Do you still think that's possible? I, I think it depends on the book. I still think there are keys out there that are undervalued. I, I know over the past couple of years, I've done like a series of videos saying these are my undervalued keys. But at the same time, like the bigger books, the monster keys, those are the ones you that are always going to go up no matter what. Like the big Silver Age Grails, you know, the, the AF-15s, the Hulk ones, like they may, they may not move as fast as they did this past year, year and a half, but they'll always be positive. They may have some dips, just like the market. You have dips. But at the same time, down, if you're willing to hold that long, they're all going to go up. Those smaller keys, some of these characters get forgotten, right? Right now, they're in our faces, they're in our minds because of the movies, because of the shows. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, like I said, timing is everything. At that time, I, I put that effort into finding what I thought were good buys. And like I said, I'm, I wasn't. I wasn't specking on crap. Like I don't buy modern books. You guys know yeah. that. I say that all the time. I spec on Silver Age. I spec on a few Bronze Age keys, stuff like that. So I'm not going out and buying the Hot Variant cover. I'm going. Um, I'm going. I, I want to say something because I I don't know if I the video released, but I said it on one of my videos that recently it might be coming out next week. But oh no, you know what it is? It's the Hot Ten this week. So by the time this video airs, at the Hot Ten it will already have aired. So you want to buy books with history towards them. That's that's for me. Like I, I always talk about Ultimate Fallout 4, the one in twenty-five Dejevic variant. How yes, it's the first appearance of Miles Morales. Yes, it's a variant cover, a nine point eight just sold for forty three thousand dollars. Yeah, I, I think just bought that. I you just, did? I, I just bought that one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like and I said it on the video, like that's crazy. Com comics are about history. It's about history. And I love Miles the character. I think he's great, but he's been around for how long? Seven years, I think, 2015, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, Peter Parker, Spider-Man has been around for 60 plus years. Like, he doesn't have the history yet. And I think he's a rehash of an old character. So for me, I want to buy something with history because that's what people are going to go to. Yeah, not to mention, I mean, with Miles too, it's like his rogues gallery of villains is essentially Peter Parker's rogues gallery of villains. Like, he's not his own. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, Miles is great. And like, I think he definitely has a future but there is no actual real history there, at least yet. Well, from I listened to a podcast that said that the Miles books don't outsell the Peter Parker books and that they keep having to rehash volume two, three, whatever, just to bring out a new number one. I don't know. I didn't research that to, to verify it, but that's what I, I had listened to on a podcast. I don't know if that's the case. I think Miles kind of diversifies the MCU and gives that yeah. character that they're looking for. And there's a lot of people that, you know, like that change. But to have both is is great from the history plus moving forward if they're able to incorporate them both in the MCU movies. You know, once there's a live action Miles, I think that that book has potential. But again, the history isn't really there. It's really just like you said, a recycled character in a different universe. You know. So let me let me let me ask you a question: If they put out a Miles movie, and you know they're going to eventually, right? It's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they there's no doubt. So where's the source material coming from for them to go ahead and, and pull from? Peter Parker and Spider-Man have 60 plus years of source material. So where's the source material come from? Like it's, I don't think that that's going to pull in like someone like, I don't want to say someone like me, but someone my age. Yeah. I because, mean, comics, are, this is not a kid's game anymore. It's not a kid's, yeah. you know, they're, they're geared towards our age group. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay that kind of money for the Dejevic variant. If I had that, this, you know, to spend on a comic, one comic would not be that one. There's other silver age. I would, I would go after, but you know, is will AF 15 where it's at today, whatever, uh, you know, name a three O whatever that value is, is it going to go up as much as it did since you, you got back into it in 2001 where so, it was then or five years ago, like that growth, is that possible? I think it is, but it's going to take time. If you ever listen to one of my videos, I always say 20 to 30 years. So I'm going to give you an example. So when I first got back about five years ago, I bought a raw AF 15 from Metropolis comics and they had it graded at a, a 1.5. I actually had it graded. It came back. No, I'm sorry. They had it graded at a two Oh, it came back at one five. Okay. I bought the book for $10,000 and I'll be upfront with you. I had it graded. It was going down when I bought it. Like it was, it was down. I'm like, Oh man, why is this book going down? It's, it's for Spider-Man. And meanwhile, Tom Holland was in the MCU. It already started. I'm like, why is this book going down? And then all of a sudden we got that 9.6, $3.6 million sale. And it shot to the moon. When I say the one five, I sold, I paid 10 for, I sold it for, I think 18. Dang. Jeez. And I took that and I bought a 2.5 signed by Stan Lee for 18 <laughs> from a guy in eBay. And actually it's a good story because I ended up driving to Rhode Island to pick it up. He had a, he had the book listed on eBay and I messaged him saying, Hey, you know, what's the lowest you get from this? I'm like where you're located, blah, blah. He's like in Rhode Island. I'm like, well, if I came to drove to you, what would you take? And he gave me a number. I said, deal. I'll come up and I got it. And that's how I did it. Nice. Uh, but yes. To answer your question, if you wait, to, this is the, the, sil the Silver Age Grail. I don't care what anybody says. It's the first Spider-Man. And it's three characters in comics who deserve big money. Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. That's it. Everything else is kind of like, Wolverine is probably the fourth one. But there's so many copies of the first Hulk 181. And uh, granted, there's a lot of copies of AF-15, but it's still Spider-Man. He's still yeah. there. He's the top dog in Marvel. Uh, just as a quick aside, just on that story, Lawrence, since you have a lot of uh, blue chip keys, if you were to, if that story, would you pay that much money and feel comfortable having that book shipped to you? Uh, so I'm trying to think if I ever had a monster that mailed to me like that. And I have, but I bought it through like a service, like Elite Comics 11. I have paid that because I had like somebody that I knew. All right. I know Ali a little bit. So I knew the company, so it was fine, no issue. If I didn't know the person, I don't know if I could send somebody that kind of money. Yeah. If I knew them, if I knew someone like personally, and I had they would mail it to me, then yeah, I would do that. But because I felt safer driving there, picking it up and paying them in cash. No, I mean like JP. I've even talked about on our stream. I think we have a the episode that comes out next is on pricing and grading. And we were talking about like if I had you know something like that high dollar, and I had to say I had a raw. I was like, I'd probably just fly down to Florida, do the walkthrough and wait until it was done and fly back with it versus like just the idea of like, this thing's worth $25,000. Let me just put it in the USPS. Like that just scares the crap out of me. So like when I sent that other one, I raw copy I had, I, I, I overnighted it because I was I was not letting that thing sit in the, the mail wherever. I said, let me get it there overnight, get there sit quickly, safely. And that was it. Yeah. I'm paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, the, that's the, you know, if you, I have a, you know, if you have, I have a friend who has, you know, a bunch, he doesn't have any kids. He got a bunch of cars, right? He's a big Porsche guy. You might be able to afford the Porsche, but can you afford the tires to tune up all the stuff that comes with that high end car? 
So you yeah. buy yourself a big book that's raw. You got to pay to ship, you know, get it down there to get it graded if you're going to do it, plus the extra cost of the grading because of the value. So a lot comes with it when you buy that big book. Insurance to make sure your collection's covered, all that kind of stuff. So it's not it's not just a, you know, oh, I'm going to buy this today. There's a lot more involved in that than just buying a, a big key like that. So yeah, definitely. Like, like I know you guys spoke to Errol last week. His whole thing was, you know, he loves Superman. So he was going to do whatever he could to get that character and that book that he wanted his collection. I'm a Spidey guy. So like, it's worth it for me. But if you don't have that physical attachment, that heart attachment to that book, I don't know if it's worth it for somebody else. Like I couldn't do that for a certain other character for Spidey. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I look around, I see on eBay, we, we both, like we said earlier, that 181. I don't know. I don't know why that book is, there's three I wanted ASM 129 Punisher, um, x-men giant size x-men and 181 and there's probably a few other ones you trickle in there but i see on ebay and i just you know to just drop three grand on a book i'm like man i don't know if i, I can feel good about this i could buy you know three thousand in any stock i have no problem with that but for some reason it's it's an expensive piece of paper that's more of a hobby but i treat it as an investment so that's why you know i asked those questions about the 20 30 year rule yeah. you know but we've had such an incline or, or uptrend in the comics or, or from the time you started five years ago. And I think of the stock market to 2020, 2021. And then last year you couldn't buy the dip. It never worked out last year buying the dip. So is this the, is this buying the dip on comics that you can be back to where you were in five years ago and really have some potential upside on these books? So, Unlike the stock market, there's no technical analysis when it comes to comic books, right? In a stock, we can kind of look at the charts and see where we're going and see where the best opportunity is. Uh, if you're playing the long game, I think that you're going to be fine. If you're in, if you have to get out within five years, I would say don't do it because you, I, I can't tell you what's going to happen in the next five years with the MCU, with um, where the stock market is, where you know inflation is. I can't answer that question. I will always tell you though, if you invest in there's five Bronze Age books that I would hold for 20 to 30 years. And there's maybe about 20 to 25 Silver Age books that I would invest for the next 20 to 30 years. And if you get those books and you hold on, willing to hold on, I think you're going to do just fine. You have, is that a list you have coming out soon that we can see what those, <laughs> those are? No, but I will do that if you guys want. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I can you've, tell talked, you, I can... you've talked about several of them on your, on the, your the, on the bronze, bronze ones. The, the Bronze Age ones I could give you off the top of my head is Giant Size X-Men 1, Hulk 181, Marvel Spotlight 5, ASM 129, and I'm missing one. What's the other one? Uh, let's see. Yeah, Ghost Rider, Punisher, Wolverine, X-Men. There's one more. New Mutants. I forgot. No, it's, it's no I don't bronze. know. No. No bronze. That's Copper. So bronze ends in what ninety four, right? No, no, no. That bronze oh. ends in like uh, the late seventies. Yeah, late seventies, and then goes to copper. Okay. Late seventies or early eighties? What I think it's late. I think it's seventy nine is the last copper age, yeah. as far as I, I, if I have my memory. But th- I think there's five golden, five bronze age books that I would hold, and and that's it. Everything else, I kind of you know, I would probably sell before then. I wait for a pop. If you're not married to it, and just kind of put those money into those five. Okay. Yeah, and then I mean the Silver Age is obviously like we talked Spider Man, Iron Man, Thor, X Men, even Four, even Dude. like the bigger keys. Obviously, you have you know AF fifteen, Hulk one, Journey to Mister eighty three, uh, Telespence thirty nine. But I got to be honest, outside of 
FF1, outside of AF15, we've seen massive drops. And you've seen massive drops in AF15, but if you look at it from 2020 to 2021, it had such a huge gain that you knew it was going to pull back. It went so far so quick that it had to come back. We're starting to see Hulk 1 come down. There was a 3.0 sale, I think, for for thirteen dollars or $15,000, which is crazy. But I remember when you can get a 0.5. I had a 0.5 Hulk 1 for $3,000. This is not too long ago. This is about four years ago. So that book took off. So everything, they go quick, and then they pull back a bit, and then they probably stay steady for a while. You can't worry about the dips over five years. You kind of just have to say, if you're willing to hold, just like long-term in the stock market, these are certain books where I think you're fine no matter what. But if I had to put a book that I want in a silver age overall, it's AF15. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of quick questions for you before we transition to talking about your channel. Um, just kind of, so I think you have a, uh, a room there that uh, we're all, all very jealous of. JP's got a pretty good one. I have no, no room whatsoever. Uh, do your comics always stay displayed as they are? Or, or do you ever get like worried that, you know, robbery or I don't know, whatever. So I have comic book insurance. So that's the first thing. I don't, I don't think yeah. I would ever do this if I didn't, because it's just too much money. Yeah. So yeah, I have insurance and I'm fully covered. So that's a hundred percent fine. Uh, uh, who's I, your company if, you have the insurance through? Uh, I think it's collectibles insurance is what it's called. Yeah. Yep, Same guy as Reggie collects. I think he does. He got me into it when I first started watching him. Um, but this room is actually really small. It's really it small. It looks huge. When yeah. I see it, you got you got a game in the back there. Um, it's, uh, I was dude, like, that looks like an awesome room. It's so small. When, when I tell you in the winter, it's 100 degrees because the heat's on. And in the summer, it's freezing because that's how small the room is. It's like a closet. <laughs> what? How much time do you spend in that room? Only when I do videos because it's so hot or so cold. <laughs> yeah, it's um, mine's always now the, cold. Now it's wintertime. Mine's pretty much cold because mine's in the basement. So yeah, but you look you look like you have a nice space in there. You look like maybe you got like a couch or something you could lay down in. No? Yeah, I like might be able to space. lay down. Yeah, this used to be a kid's you, toy room. You can't see it, but like JP's got his comic book side there, and then on the other side it's all Pittsburgh Steeler crap. That works too, man. If you go just outside of this office, I have like a little corner. Of like some Stein Stein Jet memorabilia. Yeah, that's my this the basement's like a T. So the main part's the Steeler room with the bars at, and then over here used to be a toy room for the for my kids, and they never used it. So I used I used to you know I cleaned it up and put up all my comic stuff, and now my wife's Max, I got the whole basement. So yeah, that's how it goes, man. I I had to convince my wife when we first moved here that like I need one room where I've just please my stuff. Yeah, well, it looks <laughs> awesome back there. I was like, Thanks. that room looks huge. So that's I good. Keep- I keep changing stuff because I get bored. Yeah, that's I have I use these J channels to to put my comics up, and then I have I don't know, you can see the back there with the displays that was those were already there I didn't have to make those I just I just painted them, uh, painted the wall but I use J channels to display all the raw books I have and every once in a while I switch them up just because you know they need they need a change I get some new yeah. books in and they're gonna make the change so I get it. Uh, so Lawrence, tell us about, tell us about your channel. Like, how did you get started? Uh, what made you decide to jump into it? Uh, did you have other people that you find as like your mentors or inspirations? Like kind of give us the, the, the gist of all that. I, I definitely didn't have a mentor, but you know, when I got, I got married about five years ago and my wife has, has two boys, uh, I have two stepsons and one of them was really into comic books. So we, we share that together and we, you know, he would watch comic YouTube stuff and, and I started watching it. I'm like, you know what? 
And at that time I started buying books. I'm like, you know, wouldn't it be fun to kind of come on here and just talk about stuff that I buy or talk about comics that I want or anything related to comics. And if you go back and watch some of my early videos, they're awful, but I unbox some of the major grails that I have today in those videos. And they're hard to watch sometimes, but you'll see some massive me unboxing some massive stuff. Um, that's how it started. And then it just took a break for a little bit. And then I came back and I'm like, you know what, let me try to see where I can take this thing. And started getting a little better, got a better microphone, got a better computer, got a, finally got a good camera. Um, and then, you know, I'm pretty good with tech. So I, I started teaching myself how to edit, started teaching myself how to make thumbnails better with good programs, not just stuff on your phone, but you know, stuff that you actually had to learn how to programs work. So I started doing that and then it, things started to take off a little bit. So, all right, started getting a little bit more views, started doing the hot 10 breakdown. Now I love watching comic, comic Tom's hot 10. He used, he, they give great information, him and Jim. Um, and I would look forward to it every week. Okay. But there was a time I'm like, I can't watch this anymore because they're getting stagnant. They're, nothing's changing. There was no, no excitement anymore. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I do my own hot 10? Except I'll tell people if these books should be bought or not. And I got this idea from Alan over at Co Ge Comic Collector Geek because he had mentioned it to me about doing something together. But we couldn't figure out how to do a non-live stream because I knew right off the bat that I want to entertain if I was going to do it. I didn't want it to be boring. Tom does a great job of entertaining people as he's talking about stuff. And it's, it's very well edited. I know they send that out for editing though, but I do it all myself. So I knew I wanted to entertain. So I started, you know what, let me tell people what I think of these books. And, and it was, and it went from there. I, I I've been doing it for like a year and a half and it's my most popular video. And I've just kind of gone on from there. Yeah, it's yeah I, really I, cut and dry. Well, this is what you need to get, and I, I like that approach, you know? What, what I don't – kind of what really sold me on your channel was one time I was watching the Hot 10 Breaking, and I would watched you enough to know that Spider-Man was your thing, and there was a book on the Hot 10, and it was ASM 5, which is the first Doom out of Fantastic Four. Uh, and you were like, you know, I think, in my opinion, this is the second best Doom book you can get after FF, FF5 first appearance. And it was like, I don't remember what the cop meant, $1,200 or something like that. And you're like, but in my opinion, at 12, and I was like, $1,200, like, oh, this is, he's going to say this is going to be an absolute steal. Like, he loves Spider Man, he loves Doom, $1,200. And then you're like, I think it's too much for this book. It's not worth it. And I was like, huh? And I was shocked. I was like, man, if guy gives it to us straight. And I was like, all right, I could, this is a guy I can use. Like, and so I really, that was kind of one moment that really sold me on your channel. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. And that's my, that's my thing. Like, I don't ever want anyone to spend more than they have to on books. If they're a big book, like if you're going to get a big book, sometimes you might have to spend what it's worth. Like, I'll be honest with you, but like for books like that, get a low grade just to have it. As long as it presents well, you're good. You don't need to break the bank. Yeah. No, I've done the last couple, the last one of the last books I bought in 2022 was The Silver Surfer 5. Four. Four, four with uh, Thor. And so, and it, it presents so, well. It's a low grade, but I mean, it's just enough to, to show. And then when it, you know, when it comes to the other, Grills, I guess you you buy what you can afford or what you feel comfortable buying, and maybe eventually you you move up from a four zero to a six zero and and whatnot. So, I agree. Um, and and just because you mentioned that book, literally, I bought a that book from my LCS. The cover was detached, and he sold it to me for a hundred bucks. Damn. So because, but it still like it still looked nice in a mylar, looked great because the cover was detached. I ended up selling it like for three hundred and change. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I'll tell you, like, you know, I want some of these big blue chips that, you know, that we've talked about. And it's like, 
sometimes you find these ones and especially like when they're slab and they're like covered, you know, note says covered attached. And so therefore it's like a one eight, but it like looks beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, but it's priced as a one eight. And I'm like, I take that all day, every day. I have a I, tail suspense 39 covered attached 2.0 all day. Yeah. I don't care. It looks great. Yeah. It's like, exactly. Especially when it's slab, it's like, ain't no one ever going to take this out to look at the covers detached. Like who, like I'm all over it. Exactly. No, I, I saw some one of the ones that were detached covers, one eights or one fives or point fives for still wanted some good money for that. And I'm thinking, geez, it's, you know, for another 500 bucks, maybe you get a better copy, but that's just that particular book. If you can find a deal like the hundred bucks on that, you know, doom that's, you know, all day long. Right. So I'll throw, I agree with you. Like if you can get like a steal of on any silver age, I'm fine with a detached cover. If you're comfortable with it on bronze, I think it's different. I think the higher the grade, the better silver. If you if you want the book and it presents well, I think it's one hundred percent fine. If that's what you can afford, it's always a buy. Bronze, I think it's different. It, it, because there's so many copies, I think you're less likely to get boosts in value because of the the detached cover, or if like the coupon was missing. I think that's a bigger issue. Now yeah. you can't find a lower grade book with a coupon, put it in there, and submit it in for a higher grade, right? No, they, because they'll say it, it's married to the coupon. They're saying that somebody put it back in there and that they'll they'll give it a green label. And I heard that can you take for ASM 238 the tattoos, if you can find a lower grade and put the tattoos in there, will that work in that regard? I that think they'll can, say you, No, you, that, you, I know a guy that's done that and he's gotten four nine eights on ASM two thirty eight because he does he he's he's got a collection of like like if you find an ASM two thirty eight JP for instance and it's cheap and it doesn't have the tattoos. Dude, I will tell you, buy it, and then I will hook you up with this guy and say, send it to this guy, and he does, and whatever, I don't know what he charges for, but like he has like a stack of the tattoo envelopes, and he sends them into CGC, and I've seen him get, I think he's got four or five nine eights in that. I'm, I'm surprised because they're attached, so I don't know if, if they give it nine eights, even though they're detached. I don't know because the, no, the one he, I have. He, he even told me like he has gotten good at like he'll take the staples out, and oh then he'll God. put it in, and, he'll, oh. and he's, like, he's like, the key is you don't want to use – metal tools because if you use metal tools the softer metal will you know make marks on the harder metal or, or vice versa that, and so he's got like you know wooden tools and he's able to like again not something i'm ever gonna learn how to do but like <laughs> if i came across a, a 238 uh that was cheap and i didn't have the tattoos i would scoop it up and send it to him and just that's like, way above my pay grade i would yeah. have no idea how to do that <laughs> yeah yeah, I can't even. I'm not even pressing books. I'm barely cleaning a book for. for yeah, I'm not even pressing either. For what I'm doing, I see, but I, I got to be honest. I learned how to do it myself, and it's really easy. And I do, I do it myself now. I, I do. It's worth it to buy your own press and learn, and it's definitely worth it. Because if you send a book, I don't know if you guys have individual pressers or not, but if you send it to CCS, they charge a fortune. Yeah, they like you send two books to them, you could buy your own press. Oh yeah, like it's yep. it's it's easy. I mean, start on start something cheap, low yeah. grade, yeah. And you'll see. Uh, yeah, no, I someday, and, you know, maybe, maybe one day, yeah. You got, if you can find a used pressing equipment, like if you know someone who does shirts or something locally, like a business that has an extra presser, I tried to call our our person. We we I do they do my shirts for, and um, she does she still uses it, but eventually, whenever she gets rid of that, I'm going to buy that one. Um, but I, you know. What do you, what's a normal good price to spend for that? About 100, 150 bucks? No, I think it's more than that. I think it's like 230. 230 I, okay. I, I could give you a good price and I'll message you guys after the show at some point. I, I bought it off Amazon and I'll tell you the exact one I got and how much I spent, but I think it's like 200 and change. Okay. 
and then just um, getting used to it because that I have a, a couple books I sent in and I probably could have got a higher grade on the on it if I would have pressed it. But um, yeah, plus if you send it to CCS, it, it'll be 300 forever. days till you get it. You yeah, know? that's a, that's the next thing. If I ever send anything to CGC, I, I you know I'm not waiting a year. That's insanity. Yeah, yeah hell no. Uh, Lauren, swinging back to the channel, what is uh, your long-term goals, ambitions? Where do you want to see the Like, do you hope to be like a full-time YouTube I would, guy I would, or- I, I would love, I would love it. That's my that would that would be the end goal. But I, I have no idea. My channel's not growing as fast. Like he blew up. I watched him early on when he was with. I don't know if you guys remember. He's with a guy called Milton the Manimal. Um, yeah, never, he's on the Comic Con podcast now. Yeah, he's fantastic. I love him. Um, but I used to watch them when they would just go through books together. I mean, they blew up pretty fast, and I'm not that fast. Like, I have 37, just almost 3,700 subs. I mean, there are other comic YouTubers that are growing faster than me. If I ever got to a point where I was growing quickly, I would love it because that's the goal. The goal is to kind of, like, entertain and get out there and, and, and see what we can become because I think if you're bettering yourself, if you're bettering what you're doing, you're having a good time. That's that's yeah. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, that's what JP and I, you know, we're just obviously starting this out. And I've always told him, I was like, you know what? Like, who knows if anyone watches it? But like, just like this hour that he and I have taken every week, the last six weeks, like, I've loved it. And like, it just makes me want, I look forward to this every week. So. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely fun part. It's a, it's a hobby. If it can pay for itself one way or the other, whether you're able to buy an AF-15 for 10, sell it for 18, that pays for itself, or you got some YouTube money coming in, you know, then. And that's cool too, but um, at the end of the day, you gotta love what you do. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, I, yeah. I, you make pittance. Like with at, at thirty seven hundred subs, I make nothing from YouTube. Do you know, literally nothing. Do you have any idea like what you would need to get close to to even like consider that doing it full time? I, no I think idea. you gotta be. I think you gotta be over a hundred thousand subs Go at on. least. Yeah, I was just telling JP yesterday. Like, so the local big con in Seattle is Emerald City Comic Con. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm a podcaster now. Let's see if I get a media pass. And I like went under their con- content creator. And it was like, we uh, we prefer content creators with over 250,000 followers. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen. But then it's like, but if you make cool stuff, we could still take anyone of any size to so submit. And I was like, all right, we'll give it a shot. But like, it's- obviously, I'm not near 250,000. Definitely try it. This year I went to New York Comic Con and next year I'm going to try to go as a, as a press because I did do a lot of content from there. So I'm going to see if they let me in, you know, with a press pass. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Doesn't hurt. No, I, I tried that the little, the small con near my, my hometown. I'm, I don't live near there anymore. I'm a couple hours away, but I went back for the show and uh, they gave me, they didn't give me a press pass, but they gave me a three day free pass, which was cool. So I, I was fine with that. Save me, you know, about a hundred bucks to get in. Um, that's a bunch of comics you can buy for a hundred bucks. So I'm, yeah, glad absolutely. To, I'm glad to save that, but I can always try that too, Rohan for that. Just get a free, free weekend pass or free day pass and save you something there. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Um, so Lawrence, you've been talking a lot recently on your channel about your 2023 ambitions. It looks like you're kind of now tilting towards golden age, uh, specifically even a Batman one as your kind of, you know, big target. Uh, tell us about that a little bit. Well, for me, it's it's that's what's hot right now. I don't want to say hot. That's the wrong word. But while with the Silver Age and the Bronze Age coming in a little bit price-wise, I'm starting to notice that, especially if you go on some of the auction sites, a lot of Golden Age superhero stuff is starting to move. And starting to, people are starting to fight over it. Like the prices are going higher. Prices that people didn't think these books would reach. So for me, 
I'm a superhero guy, so I'm not going to go ahead and buy like pre code horror. I don't think moves fast enough outside of a few issues here and there. Um, the Golden Age superhero stuff like Batman, Superman, the bigger C keys are starting to get more traction to them. They're starting to go up in value now, like we had in 2021 with the Silver Age stuff. So I'm starting to notice that. However, there is a caveat because there's not a lot of Golden Age Batman and Superman keys that I'd go out and buy. Um, I may basically stick to, to um, classic covers. Classic covers to me are what's going to move from the Golden Age. So not every, like obviously the first appearances from the, the the Golden Age are massive, right? They're they're huge. Their first Superman is is out of my reach. Um, there's a first Lex Luthor, which is a lot of money. That's one that nobody ever talks about, but it's probably the second biggest villain in all of DC, probably top five of all time in all of comics. So that's a big one that that could be had. But some of the classic covers from the Golden Age, Superman 6, I don't want to give all of the books that I'm, I'm looking to do because for my members of my channel, I promised them I'll do a video of them, books that I'm actually looking to do. So, um, But some Golden Age keys, some of the smaller keys, obviously some of the bigger keys that I could afford, I'm going to try to go after. But they're just they're really scarce, right? They're, they're, the Golden Age books are hard to find. Um, and that if you are going to buy them, you may have to settle on a restored book, which normally I don't buy restored books, especially silver or bronze. To me, there are too many copies out there to go and settle for restored. So, but the Golden Age is a whole new story. So I, I'm I'm noticing that the blue label stuff is really expensive when it comes to the bigger keys. So I'm looking into getting a Batman one if I could find one for a good price. But right now, I everybody nobody wants to sell, and if they do want to sell, their books are like highly extensive restoration, which I kind of want to stay away from that. If I'm gonna buy a Golden Age restored book, I want to. Stay to like a slight or moderate restoration where, you know what, they didn't do too much to the book. Nothing that's trimmed because that's like the worst type of restoration, but maybe a little color touch, maybe a little pieces added, but that's it. Nothing more than that. If you got a slightly restored one, would you then attempt the restoration removal to then get a blue label or would you just keep it? It depends on the amount. Like if it was something that I thought could be removed, yeah, I would totally do it. Um, I, I'm lucky to have Hero Restoration is in New Jersey. I, I know yeah. Comic Tom has them on the channel, so I could actually make an appointment and go over there and say, Hey, is this something you could do? And if they say, yeah, I would do it in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. If it's something they say, no, it's too much. Like you can't undo that. Then, then it's, that it wouldn't stop me from buying the book because I, I think Errol told me there's like only like a handful of blue label Batman ones out there. Well, I know that's he it. says Superman one is 175 is what he told that's, us. That's That's insanity. So I yeah. think this, there can't be much more Batman ones out there than, than that. And that is ultra scarce. So, you can, beggars can't be choosers, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say with that? Oh, so on your channel, when it, you've talked a little bit about Batman 1, you said, you know, I've made a couple offers to people on Heritage. How does that work? Like, I know when I've looked on Heritage, it, you can, like, look at, like, all the Batman 1s that have been purchased, and they have a button that says, like, this was bought make for... Make an offer. Looks, yeah, make an offer at, you know, they bought it for 10, make an offer at 11.5. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about when you said you make an offer and then they yeah. accept the refuse? So I went through all the Heritage past sales on Batman ones, all of them. And I looked for 0.5s. There was a 1.8. There was a, a one conserved one, which I actually made an offer on as well. But you press the button, make an, you know, make an offer to the seller. And it's like, there's no guarantee they're going to accept it. If most people don't check it, but I must have made like 20 offers to maybe 10 or 15 different books and it all gotten denied. So nobody wants to give anything up. Uh, and I made multiple offers. Like I, I might have started at 50 and went to like 65 because that was my max. And nope, they uh, wanted no part in selling. Do you have any interest? So like uh, I was talking to Errol this week and he showed me he got 
a page from Batman one. And now it's a great page. It's the one with Batman punching the Joker and the Joker's in jail at the end. Would you have any interest in anything like that? For me? No, I, I, I used to own a page of AF 15. Um, I bought that very early on when I got back into collecting because I thought it was cool. Didn't know if I was ever going to get an AF 15, but, and it was signed by Stan Lee. That's what made me buy it. The page. But I got to be honest, a lot of them now go for big money. So I wish I held, I held on to it, but I, I'd rather own the book. To me, I want to see the whole history. I, I find it very hard to buy incomplete books. I have one incomplete book in my collection. Everything else is complete. So I find it hard to buy incomplete stuff. With that said, I would buy a Batman one if it was missing the back cover only. That's the only incomplete that I would take on a book like that if it was missing the back cover. Possibly the... Yeah, possibly the front cover if it was like a Superman one. Possibly if it had like a, a, a facsimile cover on top of it and it looked great, maybe because it's a Superman one. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the one Errol has. His is a 0.5 because the back cover's gone, but I think it's gorgeous. Yeah. I have, an a... AS... I, I have an ASM one missing the back cover. That's my only incomplete book. Yeah. Uh, I heard that the that back pinup on the Batman one, you can buy for like eight grand on its own. I was like, whoa. Holy crap. It's crazy. Yeah, um, would you ever, would you ever trade for it? Like if someone came to you was like, you know, I don't, I like comic books, but I don't need Batman one, but I'll take, you know, that whole back, you know, everything behind you right there. There's one book I wouldn't give up on my collection. That's it. And that's AF my AF 15. That's it. Everything else is, I, I would do it for a Batman one because even I have a Hulk one signed by Stanley. It would, that would be hard to give up. But I know I could get that back if I really wanted to. The AF-15 is is special to me because that's my favorite superhero. So that mm-hmm. I, Arrow would give it up. He's done it for me. Yeah. I, I I can't do it. Uh, that book means too much to me. Well, the thing of it is, is you know, with with Arrow, you know, all that he gave up to get Superman one. And at the end of the day, though, it, you don't you you don't want to stop hunting, right? There's always another book that comes out. So. Yeah. Once you take that whole wall behind you and shrink it down to one AF-15 and a Batman one, you're going to say, well, I need a Superman one now. You know, I need the trifecta. And then, oh, wait, I need that Lex Luthor book. And then it just then you get another wall like that behind you. But it's all, you know, six figure books behind you. Right? That was actually going to be my next question. Like, let's just theoretically play that out. Right. You keep your AF-15, but someone says, Lawrence, I'll give you the Batman one for everything else behind you. You then now have the Batman one. Are your ambitions now going to be to require what was all behind you? Or is it now I want Superman one or tech 27? I don't think I'll, you, I don't think I ever get an action one or detective comics 27. Those are in the millions of dollars. And I, I certainly don't have that kind of money. Superman one. I would love to own it, but I, I, I mean, if I traded everything for a Batman one, I don't think I'd ever have enough money to get another one on top of it. Right. That's I'd have to pick one unless I, unless I got like a ridiculous deal because something was missing. Um, I, I think it's one and I'm not, I'm not holding myself to a Batman one. If a Superman one comes on and it's the same around the same price that I could think I could swing it. I'll do that. But one of those two books I'm looking to get, but it's hard. It's, this is going to be like a long time before I think I'm going to be a choir, but they're going so fast and they're there. Nobody wants to let go. And the price is just going up and up and up. It, it may be difficult. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but there was a Batman one, a 1.8 on Heritage that just sold for 126,000. Yeah, we talked about that earlier this week, the one that went for 126 or something like that. That's right. And the guy who bought it is now trying to sell it on Instagram. Yeah, the blue chip, right? Yeah. And he wants, I mean, he got a good deal on it because the last one I think was like 180 or whatever that sold. I don't remember. 
So he's trying to get in between. I don't blame him, but I, everybody knows you just bought it for 126. I'm not paying 155 or one, whatever yeah. it is. I tell you, I mean, I've seen a couple of videos with that blue chip guy, man. That guy has some, some big time stuff that he moves. Um, like I once saw, like he had a Hulk one, like 8.0 that he sold for like 250 grand on his, on Instagram. And I mean, it's like, I, I always, it's always very fascinating to me. Like I watched several videos and like, like Fry's comics, for instance, like he's like, Oh, I just put $30,000 on yeah. this collection. And then I put $40,000 on this collection. I'm like the idea of like being a dealer and having that much liquid cash on hand to just like buy these things. Cause the blue chip, I don't know what his, I don't, honestly, I don't know what his name is. I'm always called blue chip. Uh, he, at the previous big auction, he was going for the 4.5 Superman one, which went for 517 or something like that. And he even posted like, oh, we just missed this one. I'm just sitting there thinking like, you're a dealer. I, don't, I can't even fathom like the amount of cash you must be churning through to be able to then purchase like a Superman one, yet still have your business going as a comic book dealer like that. I yeah. just, it's mind boggling to me. For me, like buying a book like that, I would, I would never sell it. Like, yeah. unless I hit like dire straits, if I own that book, I don't know how you could sell it. It's just to me, I couldn't do it. Like, that's like, there's 200 people in the world who have that book in a blue label, let's say 200 people who have that book. Like, and you're one of them. How could you sell it? Like, unless yeah, you I really mean, needed the money. What's wild as like with like Superman one with 175 of them is like, there are people that have multiple. Like I showed you that woman that has three copies of Batman one. And it's just like, what? Yep. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't know. It's a lot of change to put on a comic and not be able and put on your wall. I guess it's like a painting, right? There's people that buy million dollar yeah. paintings and it sits on a wall and you, you know, you need all that extra that comes with it, the insurance and the you know, protection and whatnot. So I think, think about, I, go ahead, Lawrence. I was going to say, I think about it. if you, if you have that book and you keep it for 20 years, what's that book in 20 years? Let's say you bought a, let's say you bought a Batman one for 75,000, a 0.5. What is that in 20 years? My guess is it's probably about 200,000 at least. So you're making money on it. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I, I think when it comes to the books of this magnitude, right. Kind of like going back to what you were saying with fine art JP, right. The people that have the money to throw around $500,000 for a comic book. The issue isn't how do I afford this? The issue is we have so much money that we need to find <laughs> different areas to park it that can find appreciation. Right. And that's why you yep, have, right. Like you guys seen the movie Tenet, right? Like those facilities are legit real things where they're just a warehouse and billionaires store Da Vinci's and Van Gogh's. They don't ever hang them on their wall. They never see the light of day. They're just in a box in like a temperature controlled space under high security because that's just somewhere where they parked $10 million that in, you know, whatever time they're going to sell it for 20. Right. It's a, it's this movement of your assets. Yeah. So yeah. inflation was so high. That's one of the reasons why I got back into, into comic collecting. I, I mean, there's a multitude of reasons. You know, I went back to the COVID was over in a sense, went to the comic book store, just reminded me of the old days. But also, where can you put money to get some appreciation um, that cash wasn't paying till now? I mean, you can get, you know, get better rates on your cash now. But comic books have appreciated over the last 30 years. Uh one thing that did not appreciate or did, didn't take off were stamps. Stamps were a big collectible in the early 1900s, and they're not them. Those and coins, coins still are, but stamps kind of died off. So I hope comics have had their revitalization, fell off, revitalized, fell off, revitalized. So I think that's a good sign that they've always come back. It's just that longevity that you were talking about—the 20 or 30 years to hold those big key books. You're not gonna, you know, 
have a, I don't even know what the, you know, uh, the Jejevic variant, is that going to be something in 30 years? I don't know, but yeah. will an AF-15 be something? We we pretty much agree yes. Um, so it's the, it's the history. Like, I think you brought up a good point with stamps and coins because I think there are history behind certain stamps and coins. So that, that I think will drive market eventually. But with the comics, at least now, like there's other avenues pushing it. Like there's the movies, there's the shows, there's like Spider-Man is never going to go away. Batman's never going to go away. Superman's never going to go away. So like all these characters that were created 60 plus years ago in a hundred years from now, you think they're still going to be around? I'm going to say, yeah. I hope yeah. so. I mean, I, I in 2008, I never thought GM would go bankrupt. And they did, you know, came back out. So, you know, Marvel went bankrupt. DC's having a rough time. So, uh, you know, it's it's the brands that uh, that are we, we, you know, the historic brands. If someone was able to buy the rights to all the comic, let's say someone to go out and buy Marvel because they were struggling or even DC. If I could go out and buy DC right now, I could fix everything just like this. I'll tell you that right now, 100 percent, because I'm a fan and I could take Batman and put him where he's supposed to be. And if a fan has the, the capability and the money to do so, that's that that's that's the key word is if they have the assets and the, the means to do it, they're going to do it. And other fans are going to appreciate it because they know how to do it because they are a fan. And I think that's what catapulted MCU was Kevin Foggy yep. was a fan. And I think James Gunn, I know he, I feel that he is and he'll do right by it. And before it was just a money machine and it was corporate and it wasn't, you, you felt that. Right. But I, I agree. But the MCU until the fourth fourth phase, I really felt that they were taking it right out of the comic books, like we mentioned earlier. And hopefully DC does as well, and that'll help out your Batman one if you do get it sometime soon. And DC takes off, and uh, you know, Lord, you, here. you don't know this about JP, but you know, talking about your hot ten list, the book that's been on there for several weeks now, JP's putting all his kids' college tuitions in Omega Men three. That's right. Well, I'm gonna, oh yeah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna give you a sneak peek. It's number one again this week. That's so. Nice. It's uh, if I you own always, the book, great. I always Now's thought a good he time was to sell. The, uh, that's uh, see, the, I always thought that that book was he was the Wolverine of DC, but really he's not. It's more of um, Harley Quinn was the Wolverine of DC because her book took off Batman, whatever Batman Adventures nine is that what it 12. is? Twelve. Twelve. And Lobo's more of the Deadpool of the DC. So Deadpool again, a couple hundred dollar book. Maybe a thousand in a, in a high grade. I don't know if Lobo and Omega Man One will do that. I kind of figured it'd be somewhere around there, but at 150, 200 bucks, it's it's taken it might it needs to double and triple before it gets to that point. So we'll see. For me, like all those books have so much, so many copies out there. Even New Mutants ninety eight. I would only want to own it in a nine point point eight because of that, and I just sold my copy. Um, I love Deadpool. I think Ryan Reynolds is awesome, but I. It's time because I think there's a ceiling on that book. There's a ceiling of $2,000 on a New Mutants 9.8, in my opinion. I sold it, I think, for $1,500. Uh, so it's going to get another bump when he, we finally see him in the MCU. But I think of 2000 is the max we're going to see. But yeah. why, why that But why that for, for that book, but Superman and AF-15 continue to climb? Like History. That's number of copies. History. And and that. And, and the scarcity. History, though. Uh, Superman has been around for... 80 years um and even now i think it's hard for children to relate to superman like people our age are they know who superman is we kind of grew up with the character now i don't think you see kids out there reading superman i just don't no. think they are if you go through key collector you start looking at the key issues of superman once you get over 
Death of Superman, there's nothing till Superman 700 that they consider a key. But yeah. that book still goes that because of the rarity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I that think is the rarity. Be like, I mean, we kind of talked about it, right? Like in our 181 episode, like, let's just say, you know, you get a 181, Hulk 181 for full first world read for $3,000. Like, I want that book because of how special Wolverine is to me and was to my, you know, Wolverine was my, you know, like Spider-Man is the Lawrence. Are there books that are better worth $3,000? Absolutely, right? Like we saw, like we said, we saw that Superman 14 that Errol showed off last week. It was a lower grade, but it was $3,000. Like that's going to be a much better investment, right? And the thing you got to worry about too, like, like there's that video of, I think you and I have talked about a golden age guru. He's like, oh, I got 50 copies of Hulk <laughs> yeah, 81 back from CGC. And it's like, what? And so yeah. like you take that, that book's from 1974. Apply that to New Mutants 98, which came out in what, 1989? Like there are probably dudes that have, are sitting on dozens of copies of Deadpool number one, or actually New Mutants 98. And so like Lauren said, it's like, if it was to ever creep above that ceiling of $2,000, guess what's going to happen? all these dudes are going to come out of the woodwork and flood yeah. the market. And then that price is going to go right back down. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the one thing I'll add to you, what you just said that that Superman 14, the one caveat I'm going to throw in here and Errol, I hate me for this, but how many people are looking for that book and how many people are looking for Hulk 181? There's a lot more a lot people more, looking yeah. for a 181, but there's more, there's more copies out there. So you got to find the right buyer. I think you'll, you'll never have a problem selling a 181. You may have a problem selling a 14 to like a regular Joe Schmo. But you'll never have a problem selling a 181. You may not get 100% what you want out of it, but you could sell it. Yeah. yeah. And the thing with the New Mutants 98 is that I, I'm okay with 500 bucks or 600 on that book because I love the character and I love Ryan Reynolds and that character. So that means something to me, even though there's a ton of them. But I don't know if I can bring myself, and I want to because we made a whole video on the hunt for 181, but the drop three grand. I love Wolverine. He, you know, as my, my college nickname was, was Logan. So, I mean, I, I'm all about that, but I'm just, I'm hesitant on that because again, it has history, but it has so many copies that will it continue to drop or will it, will it fizzle out once he's in the MCU? I, I, I don't, it's just a hard, it's a hard call on that. I think me. that, I think that if you love the character, no matter what you should have it in your collection, cause you'll be fulfilled no matter what, no matter yeah. what you'll be fulfilled if you have it. And if you're willing to hold 20 to 30 years, I think you're fine. You're going to be fine. Yeah. And no matter, and that, no matter I, what. I think all three of us would agree, like comic books should not be your sole investment avenue. Yeah. It, I mean, I, like I like investment grade books that we're talking about, but like, you know, me and my wife, we have our separate, like actual, like funds for potential retirement and things like that. Like it's not banking on comic books. Like I do it because I love it. I enjoy it. And I like these characters. And these are the guys I love. I mean, always come back to, right collect what you love it is but you can spend money on other dumb stuff that can't even <laughs> get you anything out can't even hold its value so you got something that can't hold like its value get enjoyment right like a yeah car. i yeah. i'll tell you i'll tell you a quick story here on that on that exact so this was before um i started collecting comic books again right but this is like so my other big passion especially with me and my wife is traveling like we love to travel and so i started traveling when i was in my early 20s and when i was about 27 years old i was at work um and I was about to take off for a trip. I think I was going to uh, I was going to Spain and Portugal this time. And I was the day before, so I was getting everything set up to because I was gonna be gone for two weeks. So I was getting everyone squared away to you know take care of what I have you know while I'm gone. And there was another guy who was a younger younger guy uh, that worked there, and he was like, Rohan, how do you afford to travel so much? And I was like, I was like, Joe, 
And I just kind of looked at it. And I know Joe, I, you know, I've known Joe. We've worked now together for a while. And he's kind of a, a, a country kind of guy. And I like looked at Joe and I go, Joe, that knife that you have on your belt, how much did that knife cost? He's like, this knife? I was like, $200. And I was like, and how many of those do you have? And he's like, oh, I got five or six of these. I was like, exactly. I don't have a knife that's, let alone a knife that's $10. Right? I have the <laughs> knives that are in my kitchen is all. And I was like, and I bet you have, I bet you have, you know, a collection of guns. Like, oh yeah, I got all these rifles and this. And, and I was like, exactly. Like we all have things we spend money. I think people laugh at us because like, oh, comic books are kind of nerdy. And then like, it sounds silly, but like, it's no different than any of these things that like, I have friends that have an ATV, two motorcycles, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, everyone has stuff that they spend their money on. This is just what, or at least one of the things I know, you know, Lawrence says he's got, you know, collectibles of all kinds and JP, you've got Stigler memorabilia and things like that. We all have things. That's very that we, valuable, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> we all, my point is like, we all have things that we're into that we are fine putting money into because we enjoy them and they give us, you know, satisfaction. Yeah, well, I, I have some guns and I thought about selling them. They're not really valuable guns, but guns do hold their value. But I thought if, I can't beat anyone with a comic book if I need to. So that's why I need to keep <laughs> keep the guns separate right in the knives. Even though there's some value, they do hold the value, but they're better protection than comic books. So, so I'd say you you could beat someone over the head with a CGC case. You probably yeah. do, all right? <laughs> yeah, true. I was telling JP. So Lawrence, what was that? I think a CBCS case might be better, right? Lawrence, yeah. you were on that show where they kind of went through all your slabs. Was it is it Rob's fat stack? Yeah, fat stacks, yeah. So I watched a couple of other episodes after I saw the one with you and he had a guy on there. I don't remember his name, but he legit, it was like, I got this comic book because I traded this rifle for it. And then he's like, <laughs> I have this Russian Klyashnikov rifle and I sold it and bought it, traded it for this comic book. He's like, I went to this comic book and gun show. I was like, what the hell kind of yeah, show? Wow. Is where, where does he live? I don't yeah, remember no. where he lived, but I just remember hearing that. And I told Jake, cause it was like right around what JP was telling about it. I was like, maybe I'll sell some guns for some books. And I was like, Hey, people doing it. Whatever makes whatever makes you happy. That's the thing. Like I yeah. collect things that I grew up on. So like everything in this room is something that I grew up on that I had a, a fancy to. This year, some arcade games because I was a big arcade kid. I have um, some toys, some Masters Universe toys because I was a big He Man and, and stuff like that. Comics, obviously, you guys know about. So I mean, everything in this room is a part of who I am. So that's why I do it is because something that that brings me to a place where you know gives me good feeling. Yeah. yeah, it's that's something I, I recently sold a bunch of were G.I. Joe's, the action figures. And as much as I love growing up with them, there's no real attachment. I was OK with getting rid of them because I wanted comics for the trade. Yeah. Like I was OK trading those. So I kept some of the stuff. But, yeah, it's all it was all the nostalgia of, you know, the, your room, my room, eventually Rohan's room when he puts it all together. I mean, that's all about the nostalgia. It is. Keep what you like. And and again, everything you're attached to some things over others. So. And you just the, the one good thing about comics is if you're you're done with something, you could always sell it and bring something else in. Yep. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Trying to, it's hard. It seems easy to buy things these days. It's very hard to sell things that it is getting up. harder to, to sell. But I think I see a Hulk 340. I see that. I see a first Hobgoblin on your shelf. I see ASM 300. Is that a giant size X-Men one, too? I see. Yeah, it's just my newest one. Yep. Congrats. I mean, those are some big books right there. So you seem to be doing all right. Yeah, well, I, I didn't sell as much to, I, I didn't sell any guns or any comic books to get them. You know, <laughs> just have to have to work it. But you know, I, I I'm getting to the point where I have a lot of like you mentioned earlier, just those those that short box of stuff to get rid of. And Rohan yeah. did a great job of getting rid of a lot of his stuff that no longer has that meaning because there's that singular goal. And I don't know if I really have that 
I'm as I'm as focused as he is. I definitely want that 181, but I I kind of I'm attached to the Hulk 340 because I had that since I was a kid. So there's some I just won't get rid of, and other ones that um, would yeah, be very yeah. hard to get rid of just because no one wants them. JP's got <laughs> some books that he's had since a kid, where it's like I have nothing from when I was a kid. So I don't Every have the them behind me is from when I was a kid. Yeah, I don't have any sentimental value attachments. Everything I've collected has been since I started in May. So it's like I have I actually just sold my Hulk 340 to put towards the front for 181 so you made me cry on that one i'm like oh my gosh you sold that i i love the cover i'm a huge mcfarland fan um there's only three people that i have wanted to go out and get signatures from and that was stan john ramita and todd mcfarland so he was he was definitely one of my favorite artists as a kid so i, I totally get it but like it all depends what the end goal is i said it before like what's your end game if your end game is 181 then you, sometimes you get you can always get a go get another hulk 340 yeah and that's what i told him too is like because like another one I was like willing to like part with for when it was Secret Wars eight and I was like I mean even if I wanted to get a nine eight like six hundred dollars you can get a nine eight yeah. like it's a book that's much easier to acquire when I want it again. Yeah, so I agree. So if you had a New Mutants ninety eight, if you had a Secret Wars eight, if you had a Hulk three forty, I'll throw an ASM two thirty eight and the other for the Batman. I forget the issue on that. Is it four twenty three on that Batman? Yeah, yeah, four twenty three. Yeah, if you sold, if you could sell all those and get a 181, I mean, I think that's a better investment in my. But again, if those books are, are mean more to you, then obviously you keep them. That that's just about what it's, the end game is. Yeah, no, it's it's, uh, you know, you always got to sleep on it, thinking about it overnight, right? Make a rash decision. The best thing know. to do is drink and buy stuff on eBay, right? You can't, make any, <laughs> you can't go wrong with that, right? <laughs> I was going to ask you, where do you, where do you when you go to sell something, where do you sell it? eBay. I, I do eBay. I usually go to shows and try to trade at that point. I've had no luck with Instagram, a couple here and there, um, but nothing. Usually my bigger sales are trades at comic shows and then a couple of smaller books that get sold on, on eBay. So gotcha. I, uh, I've been, I mean, with the trades and then the stuff that I can't trade, but then I can sell, I've done it all on the Facebook buy sell groups. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good. To me, when I sell the book, I, I have all the stuff on my website. I have all the stuff on eBay. And if I can't sell the book on my own, I usually use one of those Instagram guys, like elite mm. grails, diamond comic club. They're all, they're all great. Um, if I really want to move a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't do anything with trading. That's the, some of the thing, like you mentioned the books behind me that I could maybe trade up to get to that. And they don't do that. That's all straight yeah. up by. So you got to kind of, coordinate like in football when they did the Herschel Walker trade you got to had to get three teams involved to get it done need to find someone to trade those two to get the or buy them and then go you know I just I just think it's easier to sell because the, the one thing you got to take into account is eBay's 13% fees people have to pay tax on eBay through these other guys depending on which one you use the lowest one I think is 3% which is pretty good there's no tax there's yeah. no fees mm -hmm. it works so like if you're paying 3% to them like and they sell it quick I'm fine with that I take the cash put that aside and then move it towards something when I want to get something. Yep. Sometimes it's hard to trade. I've only done one trade in my entire comma collecting life. So I have like, really? I've struck some recent trading gold, I would say. Um, but I got lucky. I think he's using a gun. <laughs> well, I found, I found this trades. guy on through the Facebook buy sell groups and he does a lot of dealing and like at the current market, he very straight up told me, he's just like, with the economy as it is, it's much easier for me to sell bunches of smaller books than it is for yeah. me to sell one big boy book. So I've, you know, I, like I said, when I first started, I, it was all I thought I could afford were these $10 and $20 books. So I just sent him, I've traded for Iron Man 1, 
Fantastic Four 48, you know, uh, all these, you know, Silver Surfer 4, a number of these big blue chip books. And I've just sent him like, here's a box of books. Here's a box of books. Like, no problem. And like, he just goes straight off uh, GPA last sale. And it's just like value to value. Like, and it's great. That is so, good. No, that's that's the way you got to do it. So you have to find it where your books are worth worth the most, and the book you're looking for is maybe taking a dip, and then you're mm-hmm. you're in the clear. But yeah, I think that's great. If you know somebody who's willing to do that, that's that's great. Yeah. Um, so I have one last question for you, Lord. Since we're you know a little bit over an hour here, is kind of what we like to stick to. And I don't know that's what we told you. Uh, you said you have uh, a stepson that's into the comic books, right? Mm-hmm. Is what is your long term goal for the collection? Would it be to pass it down to him, or or what what, what would you? Or is it like, oh, when I'm retired, I'm going to sell it all and take the wife on a vacation? It, it depends. It depends where I'm at financially. It depends where I'm at, um, what age, like, I, I, you know, I'm around till. And if I live to like 100, who knows what will happen. But if I, you know, depends on my health is, where I am financially. It's hard to say. My ideal thing to do would be to pass everything, keep everything and then pass it a long time. If I don't need to sell anything, that's the easy thing. Yeah. Both of them. I have an older one, too who's not into comics, but I can't just leave him nothing. Right. So yeah. maybe I'll leave the comics to one or whatever I have left over. I leave to him, but, um, yeah, it's, nice. it's, it's the end game is to just teach, right. Teach mm-hmm. them what something's worth, why it's important to him. The younger one is a Spider-Man fan, just like me. He's loves Spider-Man. That's his favorite character. So, I mean, if worst comes to worst, I'll save that for him. As long as he does what he's supposed to do, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've told JP that's my lot. Like I have three; they're all super young, the three kids. And my hope is that one of them gets into it, and then we can collect together through the years. And then you know, obviously, at some point, pass it along to them. Now, and if none of them get into it, then I will sell them at some point, and then we'll go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, take you can't you can't be buried with them, right? And if yeah. you are somewhere, somebody's going to dig in there and get them. So <laughs> yeah, well, Arrow might be buried with that Superman one, and something to dig it up. <laughs> And I may dig them up for it. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, awesome. No, I I appreciate the time. Um, I wish we yeah. could, we me and Rohan can talk all night on this. I'm sure you could too. Yeah. Um, like you said, it's the fun. We enjoy it. Um, so we do appreciate you coming on. A lot of great information. A lot of great knowledge on your YouTube site, uh, your YouTube videos, and on your website. So really appreciate you coming on and what knowledge you've been able to give to us. Thank yeah, you thanks guys. for coming on, Lawrence. I appreciate you guys for having me. And of course we got to, we got to turn it around. I got to have you guys on my show at some point. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. Appreciate you. All right, everyone. Have a good night. We'll talk to you on the flip side.